0: God's written living word to me. It tells me how he thinks. Because it's how God thinks. And because it shows me who I am in him. I choose to act. And believe. What I'm about to read. Amen. We are in the final message of a series of messages on the subject of releasing spiritual authority. This morning I want to talk about the power of praise. If you'd like to join me in your Bibles, perhaps you want to mark some of these passages that we're going to use. I'm going to begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, which has been our text for this series. Verses 3 through 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. Everybody say the word strongholds. Say it again out loud. Strongholds. We destroy arguments. And every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought. I want you please to take notice how often he refers to the intellect or to your mind here, your thought life. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ so in this series of releasing our spiritual authority since 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 these several verses are the foundation of all teaching on this subject no one has ever taught on this subject without using this text no preacher no evangelist no speaker ever taught on spiritual authority and the believer's authority without mentioning this text. I thought it important to base our series on that and then to give some definition, first of all, to the word strongholds. We've thought that it meant this supernatural external evil that comes against us and tries to steal from us or rob or destroy our life. And actually, we found out that the word stronghold means a fortification with a strong hold on your mind. You see, we are not shadow boxing against disembodied spirits. This is close proximity wrestling. Somebody once called it the house of thoughts. It's a pattern of thinking which exercises undue influence or leverage over your thought patterns. That's a stronghold. It's not a demon. And we learned that the believer's authority to pull down these strongholds began in the garden in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, when God gave Adam complete rule over all of the earth and all of his circumstances. He put Adam in the garden to rule as a sovereign. And he made Adam the architect of his surroundings and his destiny. He was destined to rule. Then we learned how that he gave it away, he abdicated it, gave it to Satan. And But here's what we also learned as we came then into the New Testament in Luke's Gospel chapter 10 and in Ephesians chapter 1. We learned that Satan cannot do anything without our consent and our cooperation. Satan's only effective weapon, Satan's only effective weapon is that he is a seed merchant. He's a thought merchant. And so we studied how that we have the same authority that Jesus Christ does. And we can pull these opinions and these strongholds, these arguments, these thoughts down and take them captive to Christ. Last week we talked about the subject of how God is not going to come down from heaven and do anything about the devil for you. Stop praying that. Stop asking God to come do something about the devil. Everything God's going to do about the devil, he's already done. Everything God is going to do about the devil for you and me has already been done. So don't pray that way. James chapter 4 and verse 7 tells us that we are to resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, as you read that statement, which is often misquoted and quoted out of context, you know, we have to fight the devil. We have to resist these supernatural, external, evil forces. Okay, that's the whole idea, typically, of a message on spiritual warfare. This external, evil force that we have to resist and stand against and sweat and yell and fast and pray. And we learn, actually, very little of that is true almost none of it, none of it applies to this passage, 2 Corinthians 10, and that actually even James 4, 7 about resisting the devil and he will flee, the context of that has nothing to do with external evil forces, but rather with our thoughts and our attitudes. Read it. Not right now, but verses 1 through 6 all deal with thoughts and attitudes, not with evil external forces. So then we find in verse 7 and 8 that resisting the devil is defined by the rest of the verse that often is not quoted when we, quote, resist the devil. The rest of the verse goes like this, submit yourselves unto God. How do you submit yourself unto God? You submit yourself to his word. When you submit yourself to his word, you are submitting yourself to God. And so resisting the devil is quite simply explained and summarized as submitting ourselves completely, especially in our thought life, to the word of God. And and then finally, last week we took a look at this idea of this warrior mentality that we find among many Christians from the book of Ephesians chapter 6. We unpacked Ephesians chapter 6 where Paul tells us that we're in a wrestling match with the forces of evil and that we can quench all the fiery arrows or darts or missiles of the wicked presence using our shield of faith. However, the original language doesn't necessarily support an external supernatural presence that attacks us here in these verses that makes us feel bad and steals our stuff, rather we discovered it's likely that Paul was talking once again about the battlefield of our mind and how that both The words evil day and arrows or fiery darts of the wicked one could be translated this way, laden with care and full of labors. Let me read one of the verses, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, inserting that interpretation. Taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the one who throws what is laden with care and full of labors. When Jesus made his great invitation to all of us, to the world, to come to him. Do you remember the words that he used? Come to me all you who are burdened and heavy laden and I'll cast the devil out. No. I'll, I'll teach you how to fight the devil by fasting and praying and sweating and commanding and binding up the devil. No, he says, come to me, all you that are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The whole idea of spiritual warfare is taking authority over my thought life from a place of rest where I'm trusting in the word of God and in Jesus Christ, who is the source of my identity and all that I am, in that I rest. And in doing so, completely submitted to the word, I wind up resisting the devil. He has no place in me. That's what Jesus said about him. He just, he has no place in me. Could you all say that? The devil has no place in me. The devil has no place. Now, Amy got you to shout. I'm working hard here just to get a a little bit of response now. I realize I'm not a prophetic elder, but if we could, you know. The devil, say it, the devil has no place in me. Do you know what you've just done? You've resisted the devil. You've done spiritual warfare. Congratulations, high five. Give the person next to you a high five. Give me a high five. Amen. You just did spiritual warfare. No fasting, no praying, no sweating, no, you know, I did ask you to raise your voice out of a attempt to get a little passion here from you on Christmas week. But, you know, I'm going to get Amy back up here. I'm going to get Amy back up here. Don't make me get Amy back up here. You'll regret it. It'll be the last thing we do, okay? I won't be able to finish my message. Oh, I forgot to mention, last week, we learned how to kill a demon. (laughs) We did. We learned how to kill a demon. Now, I'm not going to tell you how. You'll have to listen to last week's message, which is up on the website or available in the mobile app. So here's the big idea. Your redeemed identity is actually the source of your spiritual authority and victory over spiritual darkness and over the devil. So let's talk about... Praise, And how that praise releases our spiritual authority. Boy, do I thank our worship team, Brother David and Elisha, I mean that's Brother David and Sister Elisha, Lewin, (laughs) who led us this morning in this tremendous example of praise that just like cleared the air, Prophet Amy came up encouraged us with a rhema word of God. All that means is instead of the written, it was a current, relevant, now word of God. All right, inspiration. You need both. You need the written and you need the rhema, the revealed word. She brought the revealed word of God. Now I'm ministering the logos, the written word of God. And boy, before we get out of here, I'd, I'd be ashamed to be in any bondage. <laughs> now, look, listen to me. I, I'm just—I'm dead serious. Actually, I'm just serious. I'm alive, serious here. Okay? I don't want to speak anything. Comes out of my word of faith background. Don't, don't say anything. You know that acknowledging the devil. Just as with Christmas, y'all listening? Mm -hmm. You sidebarring, don't sidebar. There's not a good time to sidebar, sidebar later. (laughs) Just as with Christmas, I mean the lights, the decorations, special food and clothing, the beautiful songs, all the wonderful gifts that we're gonna give, so thoughtful. All of those serve as reminders of the truth. They're not the truth. They're reminders, they're representative activities and gestures which cause us to remember and enjoy the reality of the good news. They aren't the good news, they remind us of the good news. They aren't our salvation, they remind us of our salvation. They don't in and of themselves give us the power to change. They remind us of the change which has already taken place, and yet here it is Christmas. We've decorated our homes. We've hung the decorations on the tree. Put up a tree, if you put up a tree. We've, we've wrapped gifts. We've been out shopping. We're all excited, and you can kind of feel it in the air, can't you? You can kind of... There's just an excitement that comes with Christmas for for many people. I realize that, that the very reverse of that can be true for for some, that Christmas reminds them of, of difficult times in their life. And we're caring about that. We're sensitive to that. But if, if you would, for a moment, as I make the point, this is what happened this morning as we praised. It doesn't take the place of victory. It isn't the truth. It reminds us of the truth. When we worship, it doesn't take the place of Jesus. It reminds us of Jesus. Praise, yelling, shouting, screaming, running, dancing, playing the tambourine, playing the guitars, singing boisterously, singing very soft and quiet. I loved how this morning several times we sang boisterously and with volume and then we got very, very, almost to a whisper, didn't we, this morning? See, now that isn't in and of itself the good news it isn't in its in and of itself the power to change it accesses the power that has changed us it accesses the truth that we're already born of His Spirit. We are already seated with Him in heavenly places. We already rule and reign over every spiritual force of darkness. We're already there. And praise and worship just sort of pulls back that curtain and gives us access to what is already true about our lives. So I want to begin with a premise this morning. We do not praise and worship. To enter, but to celebrate. The Old Testament concept of praise is that we need it to enter God's presence. Consequently, every worship service, David, every worship service has to be better than the last one. Worship leaders beat themselves up trying to bring everybody into something each week that's just going to cause us all to be bouncing off the walls. David is a worship leader. There's nothing you'll learn more important in the ministry and the call to worship leading than this. Learn to do worship average. Learn to do average well. And when God pours out his spirit and there's a call to shout, we shout. But sometimes there's a call to grow quiet and to be still and to know that I am God. Neither one changes God. Neither the shout or being still changes the reality of who you are seated with and how that all of the devil's power and principality is underneath your feet and you're told just to resist by staying submitted to that truth and he'll flee from you. Amen. See. But we enjoy all of it because of what it does in our being, how it brings us to a place. Just remember, we do not praise to enter. We do not worship to enter. We worship to celebrate. Let me say it this way. We do not praise God to get him to give us something because he has already given us everything richly to enjoy, the scripture says. So I'm not going to praise him trying to get, I'm going to praise him to celebrate what is already mine. Thank you, Lord. To do anything else would change it from being a gift of grace to being a work of my flesh that he owes me something because I've fasted long enough, I've prayed long enough. Oh, and by the way, I did pretty good this week on my moral list. That's why we're lacking. That's why we're lacking, because that's what we do. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we do. We come before God and we stand here in worship every Sunday or whenever we have those opportunities and we run through that list. Did I do this? Did I accomplish this? Did did I read my Bible long enough? Was I good to people? Oh, I watched porn this week. Oh, I, and we start going through this mental list. And all of a sudden then we judge whether or not we are worthy to be in his presence, to enjoy his love. Are you with me? And so it becomes a work, a work of my goodness, my goodness. Causes me to be worthy, Lord. I bring to you, Lord, here I am. I bring my worthiness. I bring my moral aptitude. I bring all of my successes of this week of serving and fasting and praying long enough and reading my Bible every day. I bring that to you now, bless me. Praise reminds us of our redemption. After all, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's what Amy was leading us in. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And our present seat with the Trinity in heavenly places. From there, we look down on our enemy and we celebrate the fact of his complete defeat. Join me in Psalm 149, please. Psalm 149. Let's look at it together and read it. Wow, what a psalm. You there? When you get there, give me an amen. Thank you. Boy, this left side must be backslidden. Everybody on the right already has it. It's like, you say, Pastor, it's going to be right up there. Well, maybe not. Maybe I'll just have them turn it off. Maybe you need to look it up. Well, I don't know where Psalms is. It's right in the middle. If you just take your Bible, let it fall open, in about half you'll be in Psalms. I don't have a Bible. That's okay. Get, download a Bible app on your phone. I don't have a phone. You liar. You do too. Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song his praise in the assembly at Genesis Church. Let Genesis be glad in her maker. Let the children of Zion or Genesis rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing. Make melody to him with the timbrel or tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people and he adorns the humble with salvation that's interesting because in first Peter chapter five it says God resists the humble excuse me resists the proud but gives (laughs) grace to the humble keep me straight God resists the proud but he gives grace do you know who's proud do you know how to measure proud The person who brings to God their own holiness, their own accomplishments, thinking that God will reward them, that's pride. But for the person who's just humble and realizes Jesus did it all, Jesus did it all. I have nothing to bring him except myself, and I surrender completely to your word. Your word says I'm seated with you in heavenly places. Your word says that all demonic power is underneath my feet. Your word says that I'm blessed going out and coming back in. Your word says that by his stripes I am healed. Your word says that is submission, and he gives grace to the humble, and so... Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's all very simple and it's all tied together right back here in Psalm 149, verse 5. Let the godly exalt in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats or mouths and a two-edged sword in their hands. Why? To execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment written. This honor have all of his godly ones. Praise ye the Lord. I'll tell you what. When you can't think of a scripture to go with your situation, just begin to praise. Praise, it's indicated here, Will accomplish spiritual things in the realm of the supernatural. When you praise, it goes out there as a declaration of who you're submitted to, and that He is your resource and you are trusting completely in Him. Well pastor, I have bills. Praise ye, the Lord. Well pastor, I couldn't buy Christmas gifts this year. Praise. Ye the Lord. Pastor, my car's stopped running. Praise ye the Lord. See, when you worship, when you praise, when you keep your eyes on Jesus in the midst of difficulty, what you're saying is God, you are my supply, you are my resource, I will not trust in myself. You have an answer for this. I'm not taking my eyes off of you. I am submitted and trusting you in the midst of this. Now, it might be that if you can't pay your bills, you're living beyond your means. Stop it. It might be that if you can't pay, make your car payment, you need to give the car back. Take the car back. <laughs> It might be that if you're always late on your house payment, you bought too much house. Who were you trying to impress? Who were you trying to stay up with? And you know what? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. All right? So there's an easy solution for all of this. And it's quite simply to trust, to enter into his rest, and to keep our mind stayed on him. I will... Watch this. Here's the verse. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Speaking of the, the Lord, me. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me, the Lord says. Now, Jesus alludes to this passage in Psalm 149 on spiritual and applies it to the subject of spiritual warfare teaches us actually how to release our spiritual authority. Watch. Join me in Matthew's gospel, chapter 21. Jesus actually shows us how to release our spiritual authority through praise. Matthew chapter 21, verse 15. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that Jesus did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Religious spirits and religious people will always be indignant towards genuine praise. If you felt something rise up in you, if you felt something contrary, if you felt something indignant rise up in you this morning during the uh, prophetic shouting time check yourself go before the lord because it's that religious spirit that rises up and says you can't do that don't do that this is the house of god see those children over there praising god shouting hosanna son of david that shouldn't be going on here And they said to Jesus, do you hear what these are saying? Watch. And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies? You have prepared praise. Oh, my goodness. Nursing infants and babies who haven't even accepted Jesus yet? Haven't been to church, haven't repented of their sin, been filled with the Holy Spirit, haven't learned how to read the Bible. Oh my goodness. The Aramaic translation of this last phrase or sentence, watch. Who of you has not ever read your glory straight from the mouths of young ones and toddlers? That's the Aramaic. Now, Jesus was actually quoting Psalm chapter 8, verse 2. We have it on the screen. Watch. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. New English version says, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Here's Rotherham's translation of that. Again, Psalm 8, verse 2. That's what Jesus was quoting when he made the statement about out of the mouth of nursing babies you have prepared praise. He was quoting Psalms, but you go to the Psalm he was quoting and it's changed a little bit. Out of the mouth of children and sucklings hast thou laid a foundation of strength because of your adversaries to make foe and avenger be still. Pastor, the devil's been after me. (laughs) Anybody? The devil's been after me. Oh, that's simple. That's simple. I got an answer for that. The word has an answer for that. Jesus has a simple answer for that. Praise. Praise. Well, I can't remember the scripture to use for this circum... Just praise. When you can't find a scripture, just start praising. Why? Why? Because God has ordained that when you praise, it will shut the mouth of every spiritual enemy and foe that's trying to mess with your thought life and create a stronghold. The best way to pull down these mental strongholds that are exercising authority over these areas of your life is to praise God well, you know, pastor, I'm just, I'm not a singer. You don't need to be a singer. Well, I can't carry a tune. You ought to stand next to some of the people I stand next to in church. And through the years, the people that I have, no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, let me, i gonna work, rework that. You should stand next to some of the people that I have stood next to through the years who can't carry a tune in a bucket. And I mean, they sing. You know what? By the time it reaches God's ears, it's like being in a professional studio. He has filtered it all. He's tweaked it. He's played with it. Woo, it sounds glorious to him. I mean, it sounds great. What you are doing is you are releasing your trust in Jesus when you praise. You are releasing, you are saying my faith and my trust are in Jesus and his word. They will bring me through this circumstance. So I'm not going to be moved by the circumstance. I am going to praise God. Show me someone who praises God even in the middle of the worst circumstances and I will show you someone who's learned how to pull down strongholds and defeat the enemy over their life. That's where it is, dear ones. Could I just call Shana Jacobs out in the service publicly? Could I just point out to some of you and for you who have you're not part of the genesis family and so you wouldn't know this but we uh, when the jacob shana and her husband bill came to our church it was uh, about two years ago roughly and uh, bill already had cancer And so we we begin to apply our faith and we begin to pray and anoint him with oil and lay hands on him and believe and stand for his healing. Bill Jacobs passed away week before last on Friday. Shana and her family if they were staying with Shana, if they were in town, this woman and her family were here during, they were here the Sunday following his death, they were here for two Sundays before his death when he was in hospice, they were here. After his death, they've not missed a Sunday. I'm saying... What kind of faith, what kind of relationship with Jesus is it when your spouse leaves this earth, passes away and dies, and you don't miss a church service? You stay right there. I'll tell you what. Somebody, I don't know who. I'll never know. Don't want to know. I heard it, I heard it reported that it was said. That the the devil won. When Bill died, the devil won. How shameful. If if you're here this morning and you said that, how shameful. The devil didn't have anything to do with Bill Jacobs. Didn't have anything to do with his cancer. Didn't have anything to do with his going home. Bill was a winner. For two years, he came practically every Sunday that he could get out of bed and be here and worshiped God. And his wife worshiped God. Before, during, and after. Hasn't missed a Sunday. How do you do that? Because your faith is in Jesus. I read the scripture that says precious in the sight of the Lord is the homecoming of one of his saints. I sat next to Bill's body in hospice when he couldn't open his eyes, couldn't talk to me. And I looked at his face and there was glory on it. I touched his skin and it was like the skin of a baby. Jesus was there. The power of God was there. Jesus was taking Bill and preparing him and bringing him back to himself. How dare we ever say something so discrediting of the power and glory and wonder of our Savior that the devil won. The devil didn't have anything to do with this. Bill's been seated with Jesus every since uh, he accepted Jesus into his heart. Bill's been seated with Jesus in heavenly places. This cancer thing was just a temporary thing, and now it's gone and Bill's rejoicing. I just... Mm. didn't know I was going to say that, but I'm glad I did. Your shout like? It is my shout. It is my shout. Not many times does something perturb me. I was in the car with Nina and I said, man, I am mad. I, when I heard that, I said, man, I, how audacious, how disgusting. What a prideful thing. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, we're going to close, says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now that's how victory over the unseen realm works. You don't focus on what is seen. You let faith have its voice. Amy Roberts. You let faith have its voice through praise. You know what worry is? It's negative meditation. That's all worry is. Worry is negative meditation on the suggestions of the seed merchant. When joy arises, the Bible says, the enemy scatters. Why? Because it's praise. It's the weapon of praise. It's the acknowledgement that we're seated with Jesus in heavenly places, and he has no authority. He has no place in my circumstances. He has no place in my unpaid bill. He has no place in my late house payment. He has no place in a downturn of business. He had, all of those things are temporary. They're subject to change. I'm going to praise God through it because I'm keeping my... You know, happiness isn't based on... Let me say it this way. Happiness, if that's what you're looking for is happiness, that's based on your conditions. Joy is based on what you know. Do you know who he is? Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know that you've been raised to sit with him in heavenly places? Do you know that you're a child of God with a new identity and Satan no longer has any place in you? Do you know that? That's where real joy comes from. You've got to give voice to joy. You've got to shout praise rather than just sitting there and accepting this condition as the final word. It is not the final word. And, And everything that Satan suggests to you is quite simply to inflict panic. It's the what if of Genesis when the serpent came to Eve and said, what if, what if... And she listened and she believed it. Everything Satan suggests to you is just a what if to get your mind off of the Savior. And Satan knows he'll have no place in you. Satan knows he has no place in you unless he can get you over onto the platform of fear.